Good morning. That's a loud sit down. I thought I was in a scary movie there for a second. <laughs> Just every door open. Well, hey, my name's Anthony. Uh, uh, I'm one of the pastors at Redemption Flagstaff. I'm blessed to, to be here today. I'm excited to be with you guys. Uh, uh, it was said earlier, but Redemption is one church in uh, 10 different locations, and uh, we truly see ourselves as one church. I particularly have affinity for Tucson. Uh, I always felt like you guys, I won't say you guys were our little brother, but it felt like you guys are a twin brother um, because we planted churches around the same time. And um, me and Dave and Stephen and Vince and, and a lot of your leadership have uh, talked back and forth uh, and stole good ideas from each other and rejected uh, bad ideas from each other. And so uh, anyways, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see how God's like moved in you guys over the years and grown in you guys. Um, so this weekend, I, uh, we get to stay at Dave's house because Dave's gone. And so uh, one of the cool things is I used to be a teacher. And when you're a teacher, one of the cool things is on picture day, a few weeks later, you get, as a teacher, your own full set uh, of pictures. And so I just have all these uh, headshots, wallet size, that, to do with whatever I want. And so what I usually do is I prank people. And so um, what I did is I brought those to Dave's house. And uh, now I'm part of all the family pictures as well. Um, they have like they have a lot of uh, pictures with like Bible verses in them too. That and uh, one of my favorite ones that I put it in is like uh, it says now you there is so great a cloud of witnesses and I just put my picture right there as I can help be a witness in that picture uh, to creep out anyone that <laughs> walks by. And so hopefully Dave doesn't listen to this before he just sees all these uh, random uh, pictures in his house. So. Um, if you need a Bible, will you raise your hand? We love to hand out Bibles here. Uh, we, we like to just put the Word of God in your hand. If you don't own a Bible, uh, we'd love to give you this as our gift. And we also have uh, Bibles in Spanish, if, if you'd like that as well. So just go ahead and raise high, your hands high if you need that. Um, one more thing, Happy Father's Day um, to all the fathers out there. Uh, good job. Uh, keep being a father. And uh, Father's Day can be uh, a, a great day for some. It can be a really tough day for others. And so I just want to take a moment and notice that, that, uh, that often it can bring up times of mourning or it can bring up times of sadness because of uh, what has gone on with our earthly father. And so I want to take some time to pray right now over that and over any of you in the room that might be feeling that today. And then, uh, and then we'll get into the word together. So pray with me, if you will. God, uh, thank you that you are our father. Thank you that you are our true and greater father. That, thank you that for everything that we look for in our earthly fathers, we can only truly find in you. God, I, I, I ask today that uh, first help us to celebrate fathers. Help us to, to be happy uh, with the, the fathers that you've given us. Help us to take joy for those of us that are fathers. Help us to, to live out that well. Help us to steward that well. Help us to do it in your strength and by the power of the Spirit. And God, for those that are hurting today, whether it's they lost a father around this time or they lost a father in general or they had a father that was uh, not good to them, God, I just ask that you would um, heal them. That they would, that a supernatural thing would happen where they can uh, make uh, you father over their life. And so, uh, God, we, we love you. Thank you, God, for this, this word in Ephesians today. As I speak, let, let what, what I say be what you would say to the group. God, give us ears to hear. Give us hearts 
and minds to understand what you're, what you're trying to speak to, to the, our church. Help us to, uh, help us to, to do this out of a rootedness in the, in the gospel. God, we, we love you and we thank you. Amen. All right, so we, we're walking through the book of Ephesians. And if you're anything like uh, the people at my church, uh, you're complaining about this. You're like, we are going so slow through the book of Ephesians. We are just inching through this thing. And to, mo- to that, I just say, too bad. But also, I say that I think it's good that we're, we're inching through the book of Ephesians. If you're newer to redemption, we love to go through books of the Bible. We'll do series here and there, but we love to go through books of the Bible because we can preach the whole counsel of God's word instead of just my favorite topics or whoever's preaching his favorite topics. And so what, why I think it's good to inch through Ephesians is because you take one verse in Ephesians and you can see that it's so packed with these incredibly rich ideas about God and who he is and what the church should be. And so I think it's worth taking time and spending time and and looking at what does this mean for us today? What does this mean for us in our worship of God? What does this mean? And so what we saw in the first three chapters of Ephesians was uh, just this beautiful gospel picture of who God is and, and everything that, that he is doing. And it, it, it should have stirred us to, to praise him more. And so now we're, we've gotten into Ephesians chapter 4. And what we'll see in Ephesians is it's kind of taken a turn. It's taken a transition. And it's kind of said, okay, now that you've been motivated by God and the gospel and what he's done, live out the gospel. And so in the last three chapters of Ephesians, we're going to see what does it mean for, for God's people, God's church, to live out the gospel. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, it started off right away talking about unity and how unity was important. I love how it said bear with one another, like knowing that unity is going to be difficult. Paul didn't say just like, hey, it will be easy. Hang out with everybody. He said, no, bear with one another. Sometimes it won't be so easy to love one another. And then last week, Dave gave this uh, beautiful picture, and it really Ephesians gave this beautiful picture of the church being gifted by God, given gifts. And these gifts are for all of us to use to do ministry, that every person in the church has been given giftings by God, and we're supposed to use those giftings uh, to serve one another. That's what that word ministry there means, is to serve the world and each other, the church. And so uh, I, I thought that was uh, really good for us. And what we saw too was that it was actually a picture of, of maturity. It was a vision for, for maturity that we began to get. And then today we're going to continue that vision for maturity in the church. Like we're going to be asking the question, what does it mean for the church to be mature, for the church to be healthy, for the church to grow into maturity? Okay. And so we're going to get more of a vision of that today. Before we hop into that vision for maturity, there's something you have to know about me because some of you might be feeling it already, is my face, uh, I have a a, a punchable face, okay? (laughs) My, my, Paul is one of my best friends and he laughed the loudest and that hurts the most. (laughs) 
because that means he's felt it the most in the room. I just have a punchable face. That means some of you in the audience right now, you're like, I just want to punch him. I don't know why. There's something about him. And, and I say that because I've been punched in the face many times in my life. I'm just talking mid-sentence and just a fist is in my face all, all of a sudden in non-fighting context. And uh, as, I've, uh, as I've reflected on, on why do I get punched in the face, what I realized was it's because I, I'm immature. I often say things I shouldn't say or do things I shouldn't do. And what happens is you find a fist in your face all of a sudden. And I'm just left alarmed. I'm like, You're, what, what about the glasses rule? Like, what? why aren't we following this? And so I have a very punchable face, and it's due to my immaturity. And what I love about this passage in Ephesians is even though Paul, I think, is wanting maturity in the church, he's not punching us in the face to get there. He's very gentle. He's very kind. He's very loving. Now, I know I'm from Redemption Flagstaff, so I'm going to come in here today. I'm going to read through this vision for maturity, and um, it could sound like a punch in the face because you're like, you don't know us, Anthony, right? And I just want to say this is God's vision, not my vision. These are things in verses 15 and 16 that I think every church could dive deeper into. And so please don't hear as a punch in the face, and please um, don't punch me in the face later. All right, so let's hop into it. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verses 15 and 16, if you have your Bibles. If you're new to the church, or you're not sure where it is in your Bible, it's in this like last tenth of your Bible, and it's after another letter called Galatians. So verse 15, let's hop into it. Rather, okay, let's stop there. Um, <laughs> rather means instead of, right? That rather means instead of. And so if we're going to understand Paul's vision for maturity today, we have to see what he's saying us to be instead of. He's saying rather than do this stuff, do this stuff over here. And so let's go back to verse 14 really quick and see the vision of immaturity that Paul sees in the church sometimes. Verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So Paul, he saw an immature church, an immature body of believers, as one in which they were like children. They're tossed to and fro by winds and waves of doctrine. They're deceived by human craftiness and deception And I think it's important we sit on here for a minute because I think this sort of immaturity happens in the church today. It happens at my church. I don't know, maybe Redemption Tucson, you guys are killing it. But at my church, some of this stuff happens. And so I think it's good that we sit for a moment and say, am I immature in some of these ways? That first way he talks about is like we're, we're children tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine. At my church, what happens is every week or every month, a new podcast or a new blog comes out, or every few years, a new book comes out. And what these podcast blogs and books do is they take some of what I think are the clear teachings of Scripture, and then it says, no, you don't have to believe that. You don't, you don't have to believe that anymore. Like, we, we figured out some Greek stuff, and we figured out some things, and, and, and you don't have to believe that em- anymore. And Paul is saying that that is immaturity is that when you take the clear... Now, there's things worth examining in the Bible. I'm not saying there isn't. But there are clear teachings 
in the Bible that are hard for us because they push up against our self-centeredness that, that many uh, supposed theologians have changed and made more palatable when we know that that's not what Jesus was really saying. When we know that that's not what the Bible is communicating. That's immaturity, Paul says, when we're easily tricked. Maybe you, maybe you feel like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good on Bible doctrine. I'm pretty good on understanding the Bible. And I think maybe more often I see us deceived by human cunning and craftiness and deception. Now, in Paul's day, this was a lot more subverse, or it was a lot more de- devious, really. Like, there were people that did not want the Christian church to exist, so they looked for ways to pervert the truth of God and gather followers so that they wouldn't follow Jesus, right? It was, it was a lot more devious, but I think for today, it's a little bit more uh, subvert. That, that I think often I'll, I'll be sitting with someone, and they'll say, hey, Anthony, what is the way of Jesus in this area? And I'll say, well, I, let's look at some things he said. Like, what do you think he's saying there? And they'll say, well, I think the way of Jesus is clearly to go that direction. And I go, well, then you should probably go that direction. And they go, but my mom or my dad or my friends, they, they, they're telling me I shouldn't. They're telling me I don't, I don't need to worry about the way of Jesus in that way. And it's subvert because they're not saying, hey, don't follow the way of Jesus. But what they're saying is, hey, follow my way of life. Come walk into my way of life. And it's enticing because it's full of things like comfort and self-expression and, and things that we, that we deep down want, things that deep down we can only truly find in God. And Paul says that when we are willing to follow the way of people instead of the way of Jesus. He says that's immaturity. That's immaturity. So that kind of stuff is in my church, so I think it could be in your church. And so just think through right now, man, am I immature in those ways? Do I find myself strained towards every new idea about the Bible that comes out? Or do I find myself strained towards the way of other people because it would make my life easier or better? All right, let's hop in to verses 15 and 16 because rather than it be those things, rather than be immature in that way, Paul is going to give us a vision for a mature church, a maturing church. And we find that in verses 15 and 16. It says this, Rather... Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So we got a picture of a mature church. It's a picture of a church that is connected to each other, that's full of love, that's connected to Christ. A mature church is the one that's connected to each other, that's connected to Christ, and that's loving each other. And so I want to take some time for the rest of the sermon, basically, and I want to pull four things out that I see in these verses 15 and 16. Four four marks of, of maturity, now listen, these things, uh, I, it could be very easy that I put out these four things and we go, okay, we're 75% of the way there. We got three out of four or, or whatever. And I don't want to make a list in that way because I think these things are very much, inter- they, they, are, they come together as a package. 
Like we're not supposed to separate these things. So often we go to the New Testament and we go to some of these commands for how to love and how to do things well or how to be a mature church. And then we just pull the things that we're good at out instead of saying, what is the whole vision for maturity? And so when I go through these four things, it's to help us to understand each part of the vision for maturity, but I think a truly mature church is going to have these things, or at least glimpses of these things, or uh, a, a movement towards these things. Okay, so four things. The first thing I noticed was this, was how the church grows from Christ and toward Christ. You see that all throughout this, these two verses, that the church is not only mo- moving toward Christ, that they are growing into his Christ-likeness, that he is the head of the body of believers, but they're growing from Christ, where Christ is really connecting and guiding this body of believers to be together and to be one. Friends, we need to know this if we want to be a mature church, that we, Christ is central to a mature church. That we grow from Christ and we grow toward Christ. And if we want to be a mature church, we need to grow from Christ and we need to grow toward Christ. Often, I think the church just becomes a place where we try to grow in morals. We try to grow in being good boys and good girls. But what we see a picture of maturity in this Bible is one that, that leans into Christ that grows from Christ, that grows toward Christ. I think about that idea of growing from Christ, that, that, that our relationship with Christ would be so strong that, that we experience growth and maturity. I think about just sitting in prayer and just talking to God, just saying, Jesus, help me to get to know you better. Help me to know you more. Help me to understand you more. Help me to just love you more. Jesus. Help me. And then I think about growing toward him. Just this kind of idea of like looking at Jesus and letting that be our mark for maturity. Looking at Jesus and, and trying to live that way and look that way. Looking at Jesus, looking at the gospels and really studying Jesus. There's an author that a lot of the redemption leadership is, is interacting with right now. His name's Paul Miller. And pick up any of his books if, if you think of it. But Paul Miller, he often talks about the cadences of Jesus. How often we'll just read the words of Jesus instead of like, how did he say this? How did he look at someone? What did he do in that situation? I think when we begin to do that, we'll begin to grow toward Christ. And so growing towards Christ has to be central to what we do. Growing from Christ has to be central to what we do. When we first moved up to Redemption Flagstaff, um, Vince, who's the lead pastor up there, uh, when we started this church, we, uh, we started this series, and it was like called Marked or something like that. And it was things we wanted our church to be marked by. And, and one of the weeks was kind of talking about our leadership. And so Vince, he gets up there, and he says, all right, everyone, um, who is the lead pastor here? And I grew up in the church, so I'm a good church boy. And I said, you are Pastor Vince. And he said, no, Jesus is. And I was like, well, you didn't have to put me on blast, but I see your point. <laughs> but ever since that day, I've loved that shift in my thinking because my thinking was going, well, there's a clear leader in the church. It's this guy and, the, and, and, and all that. But, but Vince, even though God has given him that to steward, he's given Dave that to steward here, Vince was saying, no, Jesus is really our lead pastor. 
Jesus is really our foundation. Foundation. Jesus is who we grow toward. Jesus is who we grow from. And that has to be our vision. Christ has to be our foundation. So we need to think through, in being a mature church, what are some areas where we haven't made Jesus Lord over our life? Because that's often where the immaturity comes. Or some places, maybe it's in your parenting, maybe it's in the sort of relationship you're in, maybe it's in your friendships, maybe it's in just your day-to-day life that you won't give over your time to Jesus, whatever it might be. But we have to grow from and toward Christ because Christ is our lead pastor. All right? That's the first thing I noticed. We're growing toward Christ and from Christ. The second thing I noticed in this text is how these two verses, they're bookended by love. Did you notice that they're bookended by love? It starts off saying, speak the truth in love. And then it ends uh, in verse 16 saying, the church building itself up in love. Love is central what the church does. Love is central to the body of believers. I often say like our greatest apologetic as the church is love. We often spend all this time, and I think it's okay to do, in apologetics, studying why we can contend for our faith and argue for our faith, and yet we don't have any love. Right? 1 Corinthians 13 says the greatest of these is love, I believe. Love is central to what the church should be doing because it is a reflection of who God is. Love is central. This passage is bookended by love. Instead of going even instead of us going, "Hey, what does it take to be a mature church?" We could just ask the question, "What does it take for me to love daily?" What does it take for me to actively love the people around me? And then you will be a mature Christian. This love, this word for love here, you've probably heard this before if you if you've grown up in the church, but both times love is used here, it's this Greek word agape. And in English, we really only have one word for love. Like, like, I love burritos, and I love my mom, and it shouldn't be the same, but it might be. And um, I'm just kidding. I love my mom. Uh, but so it, it's kind of hard for us to understand. But it, throughout the New Testament, the Old Testament, there's all sorts of words to use to describe love and the nuances of love. And, and this one right here is agape love. And, and this sort of agape love is the love that Jesus primarily taught about. And, and it's a love that seeks the well-being of others, that doesn't look for their own well-being, but only looks for the well-being of others. It's an active love. As the great band DC Talk said, love is a verb, right? Dated? I grew up in the church. Sorry, guys. Cast me out as a heretic for mentioning DC Talk. Um, But love is active. So this sort of love that we see here, this sort of love that bookends these verses is the sort of love that we are looking for the well-being of others, that we are looking to serve one another, that we are looking to care for one another. A mature church loves well. A mature church loves well. I would love for Redemption Flagstaff and all redemptions to be a place where someone walked in and they just said, man, I don't know everything about them, but they loved me well. No matter who they were, what background they had, that for whatever reason, because of Christ and the Holy Spirit in us, that we would love everyone well. A few years ago, uh, we started in our leadership team talking about this idea of, 
of living for your eulogy. And that's kind of crazy, right? Or living towards your funeral. But, but the idea here was to think through, what do you want said during your eulogy? What do you want said at your funeral? Because I think in the day-to-day life, we get uh, so distracted by just life's cares and worries. And, and sometimes that's okay. And sometimes those are things we need to steward. That we don't stop and just say, hey, what is, what is at the core of this? What am I, what am, what am I moving toward? And for me, in my eulogy one day, I hope, maybe they'll say, man, he was, I punched him. But maybe they'll also say that, man, he loved me well. That Anthony loved me well, that he, he cared about my well-being, that he, he looked for my well-being. And if I, I just want to apply this idea to this church. If Redemption Tucson died, I don't know how that would happen, but let's just, it's a metaphor. Let's just say it died, it went away tomorrow. What would the city around you guys say? What would the people around here say? say and think? What would they say at your eulogy or at your funeral? When people asked about what, where, what happened to Redemption Tucson, what would people say? I hope that they would say, man, I don't know what happened, but that church loved us well. That church cared for us well. Continue growing that. I already, I follow uh, some of you guys on Tucson, people that I know that go here, not just creepily following some of you. Um, uh, and I think you do this well, especially for this school. I watch how you guys go out of your way to agape love this school, to look for this school's well-being. You don't have to. You could just pay your rent and get by. But instead, you guys say, no, we want to be here in the city looking for the well-being of others. Continue to grow in that, Redemption Tucson. All right, so that, that's the second thing I know. So first... Christ really is our foundation. We're growing from him and toward him. Secondly, just that that these verses are bookended by love, so a mature church should be bookended by love. The third thing I notice is this, is a mature church speaks the truth in love. A mature church speaks the truth in love. I think this is a lost art in the church. I think this is a lost art in the world, probably, but I think it's a lost art today to truly speak the truth in love. I, I think a lot of us love speaking the truth. We love going, hey, I know you said that, but here's this and this and this and this to prove you wrong. Please believe the truth. You are going to die or something. I don't, I don't know. Like the, some of us, I'm kind of that way. There's just something in me. I think I just want to win the argument or win the conversation, which is a weird thing that I probably have some issues, like dad issues or something there. But there's something going on where I, like, I just love to speak the truth, but I don't love to do it with love. On the flip side of that, a lot, a lot of us just like to be loving. We love to care for people and show affection towards people, but when they're going a, a certain direction or they're doing the wrong thing, we don't really want to speak the truth to them. It's too hard. We've seen those crazy guys like Anthony over there, and we don't want to be like them, so we just keep hugging them. But Paul says a mature church is one that speaks the truth in love, that does both of these things, that's not trying to win the conversation, but trying to lovingly move their friend towards the truth, lovingly move uh, their friend towards Jesus. 
When I got to college, I was um, all over the place. I was like emotionally all over the place. I was theologically all over the place. Um, I was, like I said, I I would get punched in the face for things I said. And so uh, if it wasn't for people in college that spoke the truth to me in love, I think I would be even more of a mess than I am right now. I'm still a mess because we're all growing, but I'd be even more of a mess. People like Paul and Jenny, they, they, Paul especially, <laughs> had to deal with my like emotional messiness, my theological all over the place, and I can't remember a time where he didn't speak the truth to me in love, where he really came alongside me and said, Anthony, I don't know if that's quite right. Let's look at this verse together. Even, I really even remember one time I blew up on Paul because he was speaking the truth to me in love. And I, I, we were in my apartment. And I just like went to my room like a kid. And, uh, and Paul, Paul came in there and he sat on my bed. And he said, man, I'm sorry. And I was like, I received that. But, uh, <laughs> but I didn't need to because he had been speaking the truth in love. And so I say that, I, I point them out because in your church you have people that are, that, that are mature believers that speak the truth and love well. And, and the reason I want to give you a picture of them is because, again, I think this is a lost art in the church. I think often we're really bad at listening to the truth, even when it comes across as loving. And so if you want to know what that looks like, uh, look to Paul and Jenny and look to many other people in your church who speak the truth in love well. And for us, who are people like me who are bad at listening to the truth in love, pray that God gives us the ability to listen better. Because we need it, church. To be a mature church, we have to have a church where people are speaking the truth in love and listening to the truth in love. And your lives will be forever changed if you're willing to take that on. So think through, think through this. Where can you speak the truth and love to somebody? Is there somebody in your life, is there a, there, there, and I'm talking about a brother or sister in Christ, where you have been afraid to speak the truth to? Where you've been afraid to say, well, hey, this is God's way for this, or this is Jesus' way for this? Like, have you been uh, afraid? Or think through, do you have a lot of friends telling you the same thing? And you go, no, 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 I don't need to listen to that. No, 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 I don't need to listen to that. And, and maybe go to them and confess and say, and repent and say, hey, I think I haven't been listening to the truth you, you've been speaking to me in love. All right? So those are the first three marks of a mature church. The fourth thing I noticed when I looked at this passage was that a mature church uses its gifts properly while being very connected. A mature church uses the giftings that God has given them properly while being very, very connected. Look at the language there where every joint is held together and each part is working properly. It seems like Paul is kind of adding on top of adding or or adding, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but just trying to say like we are really connected as a church. That the church is the body of Christ and we should be very much connected in my church, I'm going to be honest, there are a few people in our church who love the hard-to-love people well, who get connected to love the hard-to-love people well. And the rest of the church is fine just making friendships in the church and close friendships in the church, but rarely with the hard-to-love people in our church. And I think that a mature church is a church full of people doing that. 
A mature church is one in which the, the whole body of believers is looking to love one another. I know someone in our church who recently started meeting with this guy who, uh, he's a hard to love person, <laughs> who, who's like threatened to yell in the middle of service and, and all this kinds of stuff, and threaten all these kinds of things. And this person decided, you know what, this guy just needs to be loved, I'm going to start hanging out with him. And, and, he, and as they started to hang out, the guy that's hard to love starts saying, thank you for hanging out with me. Hey, I love you. This is like the second time they've ever hung out. And this hard-to-love guy has not experienced that. That's why he's saying, man, thank you for hanging out with me. I love you. Like all these kind of uh, things that you wouldn't say on a second friend date, but he was saying it. A mature church loves the hard-to-love well because they're connected they understand what Christ is doing with the body of believers, connecting people of all sorts of different backgrounds. And not only that, is we use our gifts properly together. We see where God has gifted us, gifted us and we choose to use our gifts in the right way. Right? I think a lot of times the kind of platform giftings, like the giftings that could be seen on the platform, like speaking or playing uh, instruments or whatever it might be, those are like what's desired most in the church. And maybe it's just the American church or maybe it's just my church. I don't know. But these, these platform giftings, and so we strive to have these platform giftings because there's something deep down inside of us that wants fame and wants to be seen because we've forgotten that God sees us and God loves us and God has his eye on us so we don't need fame. And so I just want us to think through, how can I use my gifts properly? I don't always need to platform it. Maybe some of you, you do need to platform some of your gifts for the good of the body. But to be thinking through, where can I use my gifts properly? What is the right place for my giftings? Because immature churches, they don't use their gifts well. If you ever want to read about an immature church, read 1 Corinthians. They are an absolute mess. You read it, and even today, you're like, you did that? And yet, Paul talks a lot about how they should use their giftings more maturely. So think through... Where, where can you use your giftings more properly? And think through, who could you be more connected with? Now listen, a, a little caveat to the connection thing. You don't have to be connected to every single person in this room. But who are some of the people that God has put around you that you can love better and be more connected to? And then also, who are some of the people you see that aren't loved well because they're hard to love? And, and begin to love them because a mature church does this. So this is, this is the vision that Paul gives of a mature church. One that, that grows toward Christ and from Christ. One that's bookended by love. One that speaks the truth in love. One that's so connected that, that they know how to use their gifts properly among one another. And again, this could be just a nice list. I could just, you could just go, man, Anthony gave a great list today. And I'd be like, well, really, Paul did. But, and you could say, let's follow this list. But this list is not a list just because God was arbitrary, like, these things sound good. This, these things here are a picture of who God is and who the gospel is and what the gospel is. It's a picture of who Jesus is and what the gospel is. So when we live these things out, we are living out the gospel. 
We are living out who Jesus is. We're giving the world a picture, an image of what the gospel is. Think about how it was bookended by love and it's that sort of agape love. Isn't that what Jesus gave us? That Jesus came to earth looking not for his well-being, but for our well-being? That Jesus was willing to to take on pain for our well-being? I think this sounds silly, but Jesus probably stubbed his toe at some point. If I'm God, stubbing toe will never happen. It's one of my top 10 worst things. I've had a pretty easy life. Um, <laughs> but Jesus, he was willing to look for our well-being. He was looking, even with his death on the cross, he was looking for our well-being so that we could have an escape from death if we would trust in Jesus for the death he took on for us. That we would trust that we understand that, that, that he needed to die in our place. Jesus had agape love for us. Even the church using its gifts well is a reminder. It's a reminder of who, who God is in the gospel. That ultimately the gospel is the gift of God like bringing us back to him. It's the gift of God to us. That we get God based on nothing we do. That even Jesus, he gifted us with his holiness. He gave us his holiness because we can't be holy on our own. Because of the power of the Spirit and believing in the gospel, we slowly over time become more like Jesus. But we can't be holy on our own. We only have failed attempts or external masks that look like holiness. Jesus has gifted us with his holiness. So when we use our giftings well in the church, it's a picture of how God has used his giftings well to care for and love us in the gospel. And then when the church is like connected and working properly, this is also a picture of the gospel. This amazing, mysterious thing happens when we believe in Jesus. It says that we have a union with Christ. It's often referred to as like a a bride and a bridegroom or a groom and a bride, a husband and a wife. That through believing in what Jesus did for us, we have this union with Christ. Us finite, sinful, messy people Christ wants to be united to. That through the power of the gospel, Christ has united us to him. And so when we in the church are connected, it's a picture. It's a picture of Christ has connected us to him. This beautiful union that we get in the gospel. So a mature church is a mature church, not because they follow the set of rules best or the list best. A mature church is a mature church because they know who Jesus is and they know what the gospel has done for their life and they live that out in all aspects of their life. My hope for redemption is that we would be a mature church, that we would be a mature church because of how connected we are to Jesus, how much we understand what he's done for us in the gospel how he has lived perfectly, he has died for our sins, he has raised from the dead to share in life with us for eternity, that we would be so moved by that, that in everything, every part of our life, we live that out. That's what a mature church looks like. Do you guys want that sort of a church? 
Let's press into Jesus. Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us with that. Jesus, we love you. and We need you. We're thankful for your vision of what a mature church is. God, I love that. I think just everything in the New Testament that, that you call us into is a picture of who you are. It's a picture of what you've done already for us in the gospel. So we don't need to, we don't have to rest on our own strengths or we don't have to climb some moral ladder of, of commandments in order to get to you that, that, that Jesus, you got to us, that you came down. So God, as we looked at this vision, as we continued uh, looking at this vision for maturity this week, God, I just pray that, that we would be able to do those things well by arresting in who you are, by empowerment of the Holy Spirit. God, help us to, to grow from you and toward you. Help us to pursue our relationship with you. God, help us to, to love well, that agape love. Help us to, God, give us this ability to, to know the, the needs of others and, and to know the ways that we can uh, meet those needs, God. God, help us to speak the truth in love because I know that speaking the truth and hearing the truth is part of how we know you and get to love you and understand who you are. And then, God, let us be connected. God, a lot of us, we just want to be individuals. We want to just live whatever lives we want to live. Help us to be connected like one body where you're the head. God, we, we love you and we need you. Help us to be a mature church that's anchored in you. Amen.